Hey ladies, welcome to the Diamond Hands podcast. So you want to own a med spa? Welcome to our community and explore the exciting industry of medical aesthetics and hear from experienced med spa owners and relevant industry experts to guide you on your path. Mindset, money, practice management, marketing, find it here. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Diamond Hands Podcast. Today, we are so excited. Don't know how we landed him, but we have the CEO of Prolenium. You might know it as Versa, Revaness, Ario Kashvin. Welcome. Uh, thank you so much uh, for having me, Leslie. I really appreciate it. It's exciting for me to be here. <laughs> yeah, thanks for coming. So, you know, just tell us, you know, a little bit about, so you're in Canada right now, right? Yes, I am. So I um, actually am just north of Toronto um, mm. in a place called Richmond Hill. It's where I grew up and uh, I've lived here pretty much my whole life. I was I was born in Iran um, and my parents moved here when I was a little baby and I've kind of lived here forever. So <laughs> that's so awesome. Yeah, no, and listen, I'm excited. I, uh, I, you know, I get asked to do these once in a while and, um, you know, it was it was really great connecting with you. I have such a positive and great energy. So I really appreciate you having me on. Thank you. So, you know, I, everyone wants to know, you know, just tell us a, a little bit, you know, about your background and, you know, your journey um, to where you are right now. If you want to just start wherever you think is best. Yeah, no, um, you know, I, I, I love talking about this stuff, not because I want to you know, talk about myself, but because I, I feel like it would, um, if it can inspire other young entrepreneurs to, you know, get up and, and do things that they want to do, um, then it's worthwhile. Um, so I think, you know, uh, it's that for that reason, I, I, I love doing it because I think it inspires younger people. And the way that I was inspired with, um, with, uh, you know, old, like talking to older entrepreneurs when I was younger. So hopefully you can provide that type of, uh, motivation for people. But I was, um, you know, uh, my background, I, st I studied business and, you know, my family's a, a family of immigrants that was, was very entrepreneurial because, you know, it's difficult for immigrants sometimes to find work. So they kind of have to make their own way. And, um, you know, my parents were, um, you know, those types of immigrants where they had to make their own way. And that was incredibly inspiring to me, um, you know, because I saw them do those things and start businesses and, and work hard. And, you know, so I knew that it was possible, um, you know, and so that was my kind of my first um, taste of, you know, business and entrepreneurship was my mom and dad, um, you know, as immigrants here in Canada, they were always doing little businesses and starting things. And uh, eventually my mom had opened up a med spa when I was in high school. And, um, you know, my dad was actually a chemist back in Iran and in Canada. He had, you know, worked for companies doing formulations and all those things. So, and ever since I was a kid, I remember he was in the basement mixing things up and, um, you know, creams. And, you know, at one point he was making a a woman's a female leg wax, you know, like a hot wax. Yes. Uh, yeah, I used to I used to help them in the basement, you know, mix those and put labels on them. And I remember wow. the the label was actually really funny because it was a mermaid um, who had a bit of a mustache. <clears throat> so I don't know if it was the best idea, but <laughs> to sell it, so, and it was a good, it was a good product. It was a good product. So I just remember my dad was always doing that stuff, and my mom had you know the spa. So that, those were my first. Um, you know, kind of the first things I saw about in, in the aesthetic business. 
And that's how I started learning about it. So eventually, I, you know, in university, I worked for my mom a little bit because I couldn't find any other work. And that's that's how I got my foot in the door in the aesthetic industry. So. Oh, wow. That's amazing. And, you know, so you were so, you know, after college, you were kind of working in the med spa, your parents med spa. And, you know, but what was it? At what moment were you like, you know, I don't want to work for my parents anymore. I want to yeah, kind of like yeah. do my own thing. When was that? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the type of, the t unfortunately, the type of person I am is I, I don't take direction very well from other people. <laughs> and so uh, I was actually, yeah, it's, it's hard. And I think a lot of, a lot of entrepreneurs, they don't see things the way other people see them. And that's why they end up you know, doing up, doing their own business. Um, so, I mean, I was actually in my last year of university and that's when I started uh, working at my mom's place. And, you know, me and her were very similar personalities, both very stubborn and yeah. we used to butt, butt heads. Like she had, she had her way of doing things and there's all these things that I wanted to do. And yeah. obviously, you know, two people like that cannot coexist in, in <laughs> one place. Yes. Like two, it's like two head chefs in the same kitchen. Mm-hmm, so, um, mm -hmm. You know, I asked, uh, I told my mom, like, I can't do this anymore. I want to start my own thing. And she was actually incredibly supportive. Both my parents were very supportive. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I'm an only child. And uh, in, in my culture, you know, moms are typically very um, supportive and loving of their sons. And yeah. she was very supportive of me. And, you know, I, my dad gave me a little bit of money to buy. Like, I think it was 300 bucks at the time to buy a printer. And I hooked it up to my computer and that was kind of like and I bought a chair too I think at the time and that was um and I was living at home so you know I didn't have any expenses yeah and um I was kind of you know when you when you don't have anything to lose it's different like I really didn't I didn't have a mortgage I didn't have kids I really didn't have anything to lose so risk at that time is different from risk now that I'm in my early 40s I'm turning 42 this year so like yeah. the risk that I took back then <laughs> You know, there, there's no way that I would do some of those things now. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that that was kind of the beginnings of it. And, you know, my at the beginning, I, I really didn't even know what I wanted to do. Um, I just knew that I wanted to sell something in aesthetics. And when I first started, I uh, for the first six months to a year, I, I literally just cold called um, doctor's offices and mm -hmm. tried to tried mm -hmm. to ask them you know if they wanted to buy anything what they were what they were looking for yeah. hoping that they would give me an idea into you know something that they needed that I could go find yeah and um you know that was kind of how it started and after you know 6 months in I kind of decided that you know I'm going to try selling these second hand lasers mm. um you know and and that was a horrible idea uh, because obviously Tell us with, more <laughs> with, I mean, with, the, with that type of equipment you need you know you need to be able to service it and I yes. didn't know I didn't know anything about it um so it was a bad idea and I you know about a year in um I actually about six months in I invited my cousin um who's like a brother to me to come you know mm -hmm. work with me and um you know he's a great guy he's a wonderful guy we're still close friends but we just couldn't work together it was similar personality mm. so then so then he ended up leaving and you know during that period i was able to kind of get a a line of lasers from california that was called laser scope okay and um that so that was really the beginning of the distribution business for me because i finally had a product to sell yes and so that's actually an interesting story because 
I uh, was emailing companies, you know, saying, can I be your distributor? Can I be your distributor? Hoping that one of them would respond. And, and this guy from LaserScope, uh, I'll never forget his name. His name was Brett Bakley. Um, he responded to me and said, you know, actually, I'm going to be in Toronto on the weekend. And, you know, I'm looking for a distrib distributor. So if you want to meet up, I'll be at this place, you know, by the airport. Oh, wow. Perfect. So, but, you know, at that time I was like 22 and I really looked like a baby. My face, I had a real baby face. And um, so I was, I was nervous to go meet this guy by myself. So I had an older family friend that was a pharmaceutical rep that was probably in his mm -hmm. 50s. So I asked him to come with me and pretend that, you know, um, we work together. <laughs> yeah. so I, just, I just told him, you know, come to the meeting, but don't say anything. I'll, I'll do all the talking. <laughs> so, so we went, um, you know, we went into the meeting and it went really well. And uh, they gave me the rights to the line. And um, a few months after that, uh, my current, you know, partner, Kasha, joined the company. And we've been working yeah. together now. This is our 19th year um, together building the company. Wow. And, um, we were we we're selling those lasers for a couple of years. And we were able to save up enough money that we started working in injectables. Um, mm -hmm. and you know, early on in that kind of injectable, it cut me off if I'm going too long, by the way, cause I can, I can ramble on about this for, for a long time. No, I, this is uh, what you're here for. You want, you want to hear. <laughs> uh, but I want to make sure I, I want to make sure I get through all your, all your questions. Um, this so yeah, I mean, er, early on, I mean, we were selling lasers. We sold about 60 of them and that gave us enough money that we started looking at fillers because the problem with capital equipment is it's a feast or famine type business. And, mm -hmm. you know, you sell a, a piece of equipment, you make like $40,000, $50,000, but then you might mm -hmm. not sell something else for a year. Yeah. So you don't really know what's going to happen. And it's, it's not as consistent as I like, as I'd like my a business to be. Yeah. So I'd always go into these places and I, at the time wrestling had just come out in Canada mm -hmm. and I was noticing, you know, the, the wrestling reps were, were making a killing. <laughs> and they're also because it was a consumable they were there all the time they were yeah we had to re -up. yeah and so i was like i want to be in that business and um yeah. at the time there was only wrestling and and i don't i think juvenile hadn't even come out yet it was just the yeah. very beginning so you know i went in um to that and we, we found a line a company out of germany that was uh, producing a dermal filler mm -hmm. and back then you know i didn't know anything about about fillers and you know this guy I, I called him up and he was like yeah our filler is the best because you know it's the most cross link and it lasts the longest and I was like wow this is great you know we can get this product and um, you know sell it so I flew to Germany um, for for the you know probably five or six times that year mm -hmm. signed, signed a deal with this guy uh, to sell his product under my own brand name Oh, so Which that's how, time, okay, continue. That's how I started, yeah. So, because I didn't have any money, I mean, we had enough money to kind of run the company, but, you know, we didn't have enough money to make our own product at that point. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, we got into it with this company in Germany and we started, you know, it's actually funny because I remember the filing in 2004, I, I got the device file or the dossier from this company yeah and it was probably like tw it was like 20 pages um, <laughs> and you know we, we submitted that to health canada and the european union and we got approvals within six months and wow when i go back and i when i look at the stuff we gave them it was just an absolute joke at the time you know re recently when we resubmitted for products now we're talking about like six or seven binders 
full of information. Wow. Whereas back then, read that stuff. Man, I don't even think the regulatory authorities knew much about fillers, so they didn't yeah. really know, you know, what to look for in the file. Mm-hmm. And the rules were far more lax. Um, so we we got it approved and we started selling it, and that was really the beginning of of fillers for us. The problem mm-hmm. was that the product was terrible. Ooh, um, how terrible! Tell me more. Well, it was like so, you know that that's the thing, and you know that was the key reason why we started manufacturing a product ourselves. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those moments in a company where you can either fold or you can, you know, regroup and try to come back stronger. Mm-hmm. Um, so every, and every company goes through those things and you go, you go through those things as an individual in life, you know, um, things happen that are hard and you can, you can, they can make you stronger or they can kill yep. you. That's very and, true. You know, this was one of those things in the company that, if we didn't react to it, we would have been out of business. Mm-hmm. So we learned very quickly that when you cross-link a product too much, you can have all kinds of issues with it because you lose the biocompatibility around hyaluronic acid. So at, at some point when you're crossing it too much, your body doesn't even recognize what it is. Oh. Um, and, and so it's counterintuitive to cross-link it too much because you think, oh, crossing it, cross-link it more to last longer. But mm-hmm. that's not how your body sees it. Your body's like, what the hell is this that you just put into me? Get rid of mm-hmm. it. Well, um, so what was it so, doing? Like, what were some of the reactions? You know, early. So you see, early you, know, you, you know, what you would see is something that's called a delayed inflammatory reaction or a foreign body reaction. And you see this mm. now on the market with products that are overly cross-linked or overly modified. Yeah. So when I see those things happening now, I know exactly what it is because I went through it. Interesting. So, you know, at that point, you know, we were taking the money and, you know, most of our 95% of our sales were coming from um, markets in Asia and the Middle East. Mm-hmm. So we were selling product, but we were getting a ton of complaints and we were trying to figure out what the problem was because we didn't know. Yeah. So and how'd you fix I, it? Well, so that's at that point, we're like, okay, you know what? These guys in Germany don't know what the hell they're doing and they can't give <laughs> us any real answers. So we need to go, if we want to stay in this business, we got to do this ourselves. You know, we got to learn about how to make this ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and so at that point, we, you know, we went to the University of Toronto at the time because that was like the only place we could think of that would work with us on a project mm-hmm. like this. And they, they paired us with the pharmacy department. There was a professor there um you know that they're like she's open to doing research projects for come outside companies and all this stuff mm-hmm. so you know we signed a deal with them and uh you know we were pretty much taking all the money we made and we were dumping it into this u of t professor yeah. lab <laughs> you know after a year went by and like we couldn't get any information out of her about you know what she had found or if she had developed anything it was just nothing was happening yeah so it was it was it was weird because i got a call around that point where we were really fatigued with the university, um, I remember I got a call from a guy in the U.S. that was looking for a job, and his name was uh, Dale DeVore. Mm-hmm. And he, ended, he couldn't do it, but he ended up referring me um, to somebody else because I said to him, can you come to Toronto and just, like, audit this lab? Because I'm not a scientist. I don't know what I'm doing. But maybe you can go into this lab and tell me if they're even helping us. Um, so he flew down to Toronto, and, you know, my we had lunch, and initially I didn't like the guy at all because mm. he was very like direct and he just told you what, how it was. Yeah. Um, and you know, no, not a lot of tact, like very brutally honest type guy. 
Which isn't and, a bad thing. Which isn't a bad, you know, now as time went on, he's become a very close friend of mine and like, you know, I have the utmost respect for him. Yeah. Uh, as a person, you know, honest, trustworthy human being. And, but at the time, you know, I met this guy, I'm like, man, I don't like this guy. Uh, mm-hmm. So, but I learned to, I, I, lear- I really learned to like him and he's just a wonderful person. You should never judge a book by its cover. So first yeah. impressions, you should never, I've learned that, you know, they don't really mean much. That's true. Anyways, so, you know, he, he was probably the most brilliant guy I've ever met as well. Um, so he came to, went into the lab and after a couple of days, you know, the, the professor actually threw him out. And because again, he's that type of personality. He just kind of tells you, he tells you how it is. And I guess he questioned her a bit too much and she didn't like it. So she tossed him. Oh, wow. And then he came back to her office. He's like, guys, you know, you're just wasting your money. These guys are doing nothing for you. Um, you know, this is, a, it's a terrible investment, but there is one really good postdoc um, that's working on your project. She's brilliant. You know, if mm-hmm. you could hire her, you know, you could probably do this on your own. Yeah. So, so we're like, yeah, you know, let's hire her. Like we were, I was so naive. Um, and I thought it would be simple to kind of build a lab and, you know, get her, hire her and start working on this. And again, I think being naive is a good thing sometimes. Sometimes. The more you know, the more you overthink and the more you analyze and you kind of get decision paralysis from it. And you also become fearful to move forward. But when you're naive and you're optimistic and you're young, you know, whatever, let's do it. So we ended up hiring the postdoc that was there and we ended up Mm -hmm. hiring him too. And we told him, okay, you guys, you know, you kind of chill out in our our boardroom in our small office and we're going to go find a lab so that you guys can work. And here I am thinking, oh, it's going to be really easy to, mm-hmm. find, to find a lab. So, <laughs> you know, months go by. And there was one incubator in Toronto, and it, at the time it was called Mars. And, you know, I didn't realize that they were closely affiliated with the University of Toronto. And this professor kind of like Oh, stole no. Them. Yeah, so I, I would just, I, would, I was relentless. You know, I called these guys every day, and I couldn't get through. Nobody would call me. But even though the place was 80% empty. So couldn't get a place, you know, so we were just like burning cash. Um, You know, we are, we were running through our savings and we were just every day calling places to see if we could find a lab because we couldn't afford to build our own lab. So we were calling and, you know, calling Mar at U of T for the space. We couldn't get it. And um, I was trying to call other places as well. And I mean, I got through to this, this one local kind of business help center um, that was around and they they're like look you know there is a place um, close by at York University that they, they might be willing to rent some of this um, you know lab out to you they have, a, they have mm-hmm. a, a big lab there and they're looking to rent it I'm like this is amazing so you know we we called the place made an appointment with the guy and we ended up um, going to see it and we got there and he gave us a tour and it was perfect it was just like had everything we needed you know there was about five scientists working there. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I thought he was going to give us a small corner to rent at this place. And, I um, mean, you know, at the end of the tour, he kind of pulls me aside and says, you know, we're, we're on the verge of bankruptcy. Um, <gasps> you know, if, if, you're, if you're willing to take over the lease on the space and hire everybody here, I'll give you the equipment for nothing. Just take it over. So I think, I mean, at that point, my jaw just kind of hit the floor. Um, and I was like, sure, you know, because we had no other options. This was an amazing, it was almost like a, you know, miracle for us. Wow. And so, you know, it's one of those things where 
I think people are like, oh, you're so lucky, but you know, you, you, you kind of make your own luck in that way. Cause you're just pushing and pushing and pushing, hoping that something happens. And, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes you, you hit an oil well and you, and you strike well and that, that was, that's what it was. Wow. Um, so we, I think we ended up giving them like 35,000 Canadian for, um, you know, half a million bucks worth of equipment. And we oh ended up hiring, God. we hired every single one of the scientists um, that were there. And all of a sudden we had an R and D department and a lot. <laughs> and so it's just like that. And um, so we spent the next, you know, and, and a couple, a few of those scientists have been with us for over 10 years still. Wow. So we spent the next two years in that facility completely reverse engineering and dissecting every product on the market mm-hmm. and as well as the product the terrible product that we were selling because we wanted to learn what the issues were yes and you know that gave us a complete understanding of everything that was on the market being sold mm-hmm. it told us what was good about those products it told us what was bad about those products so we were able to take that knowledge and you know develop what i believe is the gold standard on on the market right now um, because we were, we were able to come from a place with really no prejudice. Mm-hmm. We started from scratch. Yeah. Most of the products that are on the market now are, are kind of different iterations of a product that was developed by Corneal, which is now Juvederm Allergan. Mm-hmm. Um, so most of the products on the market were people that worked there and left and started their own business. And yeah. so they're very similar. So mm-hmm. if there was a mistake being made, they're making it again and again and again. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas with us, we didn't have the luxury of hiring somebody that had done that before. <laughs> so we had to start from scratch, Wow! which, which turned out to be a great thing. That is such a blessing. I mean, I think that's just like an interesting like story and, and it, it's just like what you said is so important. I think for people to really touch upon that. It's the work, mm-hmm. like you were relentless, like you called every single day, you were cold calling CEOs, like all across. And yeah. so people look at you and be like, oh my goodness, you're so lucky, like you did this, you did that. And it's like, no, you worked yeah. really, really hard for it. And you know, when you were like aligned with like, I, I, I believe in like vibrations and power of the universe and things like that, no matter what your religion is. And it's just like, when you're aligned and you're working towards your goal and your purpose, yeah. things come into your path. And I, and I, I agree really with you. That. Yeah, I agree with you hundred percent. I think if your energy is optimistic and positive and you're moving forward, I mean, if you're not moving forward, you're, and you're, you're standing still, you're moving backwards in my opinion. Yep. So, I mean, if you're doing those things and you're moving forward, your good things can happen. I mean, exactly. you get, you raise your chances of good things happening versus if you're doing nothing, obviously. But at the same time, I also believe that, you know, business is about relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's about the, you know, relationships that you have with the people that can help you and work, that work for you, your customers. And you leave every time you get into an interaction with someone, you can leave that interaction in a way that leaves that person feeling like good mm-hmm. or, or bad. Yes. You know, and, and so if you leave most of your interactions in a way where you leave that person feeling good and positive, Mm-hmm. You're, you're more likely to do business with them again because you, you, they want to do business with you. And I think when you, when you get to a point where you become like this big corporation, sometimes you forget about that. Yeah. But I, that's just the essence of, of, of a business. You know, it's that relation, those relationships. Like the first, um, the real, the biggest lessons I ever learned in terms of business was when I worked in small businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I worked in a small grocery store when I was in high school that, that belonged, it used to belong to my father and my uncle, but, yeah. um, my father sold his share when he got a job. 
Mm-hmm. And, and I, my, my uncle was just such a wonderful guy yeah. that people in the neighborhood would come to see him. Wow. So he was more expensive than, you know, the big grocery store. Mm-hmm. And he, he wasn't convenient, but people just loved him. You know, they came there because they wanted to see him. Yeah. And that was what the business was. And it was the same with my mom in the, in the spa, you know, people would go there because they loved her and mm-hmm. they wanted to talk to her. Like they, these women would also almost go there just to get like therapy, <laughs> yeah. you know, just to hang out with her. <laughs> and that, that taught me so much about how you, how you interact with other human beings. Um, because at, at the essence, you know, people are mostly the same, you know, we all have the same fears um, we all have the same concerns and worries. And, you know, if mm-hmm. you can connect with people on that level, you're not, they're not buying a product from you. They're buying you because yeah. they like you. Exactly. Um, so that's really what we've tried to do at this company and, and treat it almost like a small business, mm-hmm. even though we have over, you know, 150 people working here now. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we try to, I still talk to directly to a lot of our customers because these are people that I've kind of grown up with in a sense, because I was in my early twenties when I, when I started. And so it's, it's, it's a journey in that sense. And, you know, mm-hmm. I look, I look back at it now and actually um, I missed those early days because yeah. of the excitement in the company, you know, obviously the money's a lot better now, but um, <laughs> Hopefully. Yeah. yeah, but you know, that excitement of, you know, getting your first deal or like mm-hmm. getting your first sale or getting your first big doctor. And, yeah. you know, you you go to your first big Congress and you have like a great, a great uh, demo or whatever. Um, you know, those are the things that I really miss about yeah. the, the business. So, I mean, yeah, but you know, I, I think, you know, I understand however you're operating at a different level now, you know, obviously. <clears throat> and something that I do want to ask you though, you know, mm-hmm. I know that you've always been rebellious and, you know, you don't, you know, stubborn and, you know, you talk about, you know, back in, back in the day, even though you're still young, <laughs> but it's like, at what point in your life, like, did you know that in your heart that you were different? When was yeah. that point for you? Um, I, I think, so that's a good question. I mean, you know, when I moved, when my family moved to Canada, um, we, the area that I live in now was kind of like a small town. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was kind of the odd one out, right? I was like the, the Middle Eastern kid. Yeah. Um, and so I was always different, um, yeah. you know, from when I was growing up. And I was always the Middle Eastern kid, you know, weird, weird language, weird religion, Mm-hmm. you know, weird lunches, he brings weird stuff to school to eat, like stuff like that. You know, my mom would pack me these weird lunches, um, delicious, but nobody yeah. was ever was like, what? you know, my, all the kids in my class were eating like, uh, you know, frozen pizza and stuff like that. And I'd come, yeah. and I'd come like with these like complex rice and stews and kebabs and stuff to school. I love it. So, I mean, I always knew that I was different. I was mm-hmm. always different in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other, the other thing was, you know, because of, because my mom and dad were just, they came here for me mm-hmm. to give me opportunities. I always felt like I had, I had grown up really quickly in that way mm. because I was like, I don't want to let them down. Yeah. So, you know, I was always th- that way. And, 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 and also I was always stubborn and very entrepreneurial. I always wanted to do my own thing. Mm-hmm. If people went left, I'd go right. You know, yep. like it was just, I didn't want to do what the rest of the people were doing. Yes. Um, you know, and I remember from a very young age, I started working, you know, in different jobs and stuff. And I'd always kind of butt heads with my bosses because I would 
want to do things in different ways and stuff. And it just, people didn't, people, I wasn't an obedient employee. Yeah. You know? um, so, and I, and I remember my first kind of, um, first kind of business thing that I did was I was in elementary school and I decided that I wanted to throw parties. Oh, okay. So, yeah. I was in like sixth or seventh grade and, um, you know, I organized like this big party. And did you have them pay? Yeah. You know, I made, I made $300 back in, you know, 1998, 1992. In sixth grade? You were a big like All the elementary schools in my area, everybody came to this party. And my dad was walking around in a suit, like chaperoning <laughs> this thing. Um, we did it at this community center and, you know, wow. me and my friends, we, I think we pulled like, it was three of us and, you know, we pulled like 900 bucks out of it. What? And then, yeah, it was like so fun. It was so much fun. And then, that uh, so great. then after that, I said, okay, I'm going to take my money and I'm going to open up a DJ company. So I, so I opened up a DJ company and I designed my business cards and stuff like that. And I, um, I did a few parties and a uh, school party. Wow. And then my, um, my speaker blew up, my speakers blew up because I had the music not too loud. Yeah. <laughs> that was the end of that business. Oh, and so man. there was always things I was doing and like to make money and yeah. like, and, and because I was, ex I liked, I liked starting things and doing things like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I always knew that I was, that I wasn't, uh, like, I always knew that. And, and, you know, the other thing was, I remember when I was young, I would see, because my, you know, my parents, we didn't have a lot of money mm -hmm. and I'd see people driving around in these like really nice cars. And I would always be like, how could this person afford this car? Like how, what do they do? You know, like, <laughs> like yeah. what does this guy do? And I'm not even talking expensive cars. Like the guy could have been in a, a Honda Accord and I would have been like, You're what like is this guy, how does this guy afford this car? <laughs> so I remember when I was a kid, I used to go up to people and I used to say, I'm like, like, you might be asking like, what do you do for a living? Wow. Um, and I just remember most people that I saw that were successful had their own businesses. 90% mm. of the people I'd ask, what do you do? They were like, I own my own business. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, man, being a doctor or being a lawyer, no, not, that's not for me. I want to, I want to own my own business. Like all these yeah. guys that are driving these nice cars, that's amazing. they have their own businesses. So, um, and I was just interested in it and I'd, be, yeah. and I'd be like, what's your, what's your business? Like, what do you do? What do you sell? And I, and I would just try to dissect it in my head. Yeah. Um, you know, so yeah. So that was kind of like the beginning when I knew that that's what I wanted to do with my life. Um, wow. And, uh, that's how it started. I mean, I think that's like so cool that, you know, that you were, you were doing like those things from when you were a young kid. So it's like, no one could say that what you're doing now is yeah. so like out of, is out of order. It's not out of order. It's actually no, right within. Yeah, it, it's very much in line. And I'll tell you, you know what? I've had my share of absolutely crazy, brainless, stupid ideas mm -hmm. um, before I got to this point. Like, I mean, you know, I, I even sold, I've sold the weirdest stuff before I got to fillers. Like, I remember there was this product called the Brava and it was like, this is the most ridiculous thing I ever did in my life. It was like these two massive suction pumps in a bra that, that <laughs> women would, that women would wear and you'd have to wear it for like 12 hours every day for like six months or something. And it would like just constantly suck. I'm pretty sure it's, it would just keep sucking until like it would stretch your skin out and you'd grow like one cup size or whatever. Oh, oh. So that okay. was the idea. Yeah. Do they still sell that? You know, <laughs> you know what? I bet you they do. 
I bet you they do. Uh, you know what? I Google it. It's called the Brava. The B. That's it was so B A B R A V A. And I remember the guy somehow the the owner of the company convinced me to like you know that you know you could do uh, infomercials and all this stuff to sell them. And I remember we went to a trade show, and we had set up like the booth for it. And it was me and my partner Kasha, and we were standing in front of this. It was pretty much like this picture of this naked girl oh. wearing, you know, holding these these two suction pumps or whatever. That's so I swear weird. to God. And and I and I was standing at the at the booth, and I remember a bunch of these girls that went to college with me were at the show because her and dad they was saw like a you. Were you and they saw me. Were you I embarrassed? Almost, I was so embarrassed. I almost died. Like <laughs> I, don't, I just shrunk. You know. You're like, hey guys, we're thirty now. You want one of these? She's like, like, she's like, what are you, what are you doing here? Like, what is this? Like, I kept trying to like walk away from the booth, like to pretend I wasn't, you know, part of it. But it was That's like too so late, funny. you know. That is so crazy. But you know, through it all, though, you know, you you stayed motivated and consistent, and you knew that you were meant for something greater. And right, and it's like, right. so another question I do want to ask you, you know, besides these, um, is like, <laughs> tell me more about, you know, what are some things that you do, you know, especially from whatever level to stay motivated and like consistent every day? Like, what are those like, what's like your routine, you would say that kind of keeps you going and sharp? Yeah, I, I think, first of all, I think, um, you know, I've been doing this now, it's 19 years. Mm -hmm. Balance is incredibly important. I think if you you go at, you know, if you go too heavy, too hard, you can really burn yourself out. Yeah. Um, so I, I think balance is incredibly important. And, and, and your motivation changes mm -hmm. throughout the business. I mean, when I first started the business, I just wanted to make enough money that I could move out of my parents' place. You know, so <laughs> yeah. that was my motivation. Yeah. So, but then, you know, as you go, it, that changes, you know, becomes, yeah. I want to get my, I want to grow the company. I want to, I want to enter this market. I want to have this mm -hmm. product, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and I think, and you know, and you, and you obviously, once the company starts growing, you know, you have staff and mm -hmm. your motivations can include supporting your staff and their families and what yeah. they're doing. It becomes like a big family, right? Yeah. Um, but I think also, you know, I had kids, I have three boys and. Yeah, they're so um, cute. See them on oh, the Oh, thank you. <laughs> they're deaf, they're a handful. And, you know, for my motivation now is, you know, I want to make sure that they're okay. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, you know, and I have a, my middle son, he's got special needs. So yeah. like when, when I found out he was sick, like my whole thinking changed, um, in terms of what I was doing, it'd be, and then mm -hmm. it, then it became, okay, like I have to make sure that if something happens to me, that he's going to be all right, yeah. you know? So, um, so my motivation has a lot to do with them now. And it's wow. not just, um, you know, it's not about me or what I want, um, because those things change and they're fluid in that sense, but um you know definitely uh family becomes more important you know my mm -hmm. kids are really, really important and, mm -hmm. and growing the company and all my staff and those things are things that motivate me yeah. um and, and and new products i, I still mm -hmm. get a lot of I, I still get a ton of joy and excitement out of launching new products and, yeah. and developing new products mm -hmm. um and, and solving problems so those things still um th those things still push me forward you know to to do what i'm doing but that's really oh, that awesome. It, well, yeah, it, it did. It, it's good because you, you're you're talking about your motivation that yeah, you know, it, it's just yeah. change. You just change your goalposts every time and kind of keeps. Yeah, and you fresh. you kind of adjust as you grow as well, mm -hmm. right? Like, I mean, obviously, the purpose of any business is you want to make money. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so I mean, that's important. I'm not going to say it's not, but it becomes less and less important 
um, as your needs are met. Yeah, you know? exactly. So. Your needs are met because it's like, you know, I always think of, you know, when someone gives you money, you should be doing something to transform how they think about something, right. how they do something, whatever. It's like an exchange right. of money should equal some sort of transformation, even if it's just a mood. It should equal Absolutely. transformation. Absolutely. And, you know, and so like, you know, I think of, of money as energy. So, you know, it's like when I work with someone, I'm like, okay, if they didn't give me some of their money, like I did not do something to, 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 yeah. to help them transform. Yeah. It wasn't compelling enough for them to it's transform. That give and, it's that give and take relationship. Right? Yeah. Like you're doing something for each other. Exactly. Right? And it's that relationship, you know, so absolutely. Exactly. 100%. And you know, you, as a business owner, you want to support your customer's growth because exactly. then they're going to come back and buy, buy more product from you. Exactly. Um, so, and speaking of that, like, you know, in the industry, customers growth and things, and I know we're kind of wrapping down, but you know, what is your opinion on the, you know, the tiered system that are in many of yeah. you know these other players and, you know, what do you think yeah, that yeah. does to people that are working on making their way in the industry? So tell us more about that. A uh, great question. I mean, I hate um, I hate veiled pricing structures. Mm -hmm. um, if if that's what you meant, like those types of, I don't mind you know tiers in the sense where if someone orders more, they pay less. That's mm -hmm. fine with me. Yeah. But the, these kind of veiled structures where you know you're some companies have now where you're platinum, double gold, silver, <laughs> bronze. Yeah. Like I, I I don't think I think most customers, doctors and nurses in the U.S. Um, that are buying from some of our competitors don't even really know what they're paying for product because it's mm. so it's so confusing. Yeah. Like sometimes I get these price um, these invoices from our competitors. Mm -hmm. A customer will send it to me, and I'm like, I'm trying to figure out the price, and I can't because it's like you're in this tier, and you pay this price, and you get this much rebate, and you get this much free goods, and then Ugh. the rep is dumping. So I, I think, and and then bundling it with other products, and yeah. so I think most people don't even know what they're really paying. You know? <laughs> they think they know, but then when they look at the prices, like, damn, I've been getting ripped off. <laughs> <laughs> That's not good. Um, so when we when we enter the market, I mean, you know, you're you're trying to hustle, right? You're trying to mm -hmm. sell. So at the beginning, you're like, we, I didn't have any tears. It was like, it's this much money, just you know, just buy. It. I don't can, care. Can you please, yeah, can you please buy some? Yeah. Um, you know, but obviously, as you become more sophisticated you realize that you have to have some sort of volume, volumetric pricing. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so we've done that. But I mean, in, if you ask our customers, we've been incredibly democratic about it. It's very mm -hmm. straightforward. It's very simple. Mm -hmm. It's like, you look at the prices, the prices are there. That's what you get. You order 10 boxes, this price, 20 boxes, this price, 30 boxes, mm -hmm. this price. And you know what you're paying. Yeah. There's no confusion. And so, and I've always liked that because the, alternative is like if, imagine you walk into walmart and you're trying to buy something mm -hmm. and you look at the price and then there's like fine print mm. you're trying to figure out like you know as a customer and you're trying to run a business it's impossible yeah um, so I, I i feel like as there's more and more competition in our industry prices mm -hmm. are going to democratize more and more so. yeah and, and that's something definitely to think about for the providers that are listening. And it, so what do you think, you know, besides, besides like treating your staff like family and, you know, making a good product and things like, what else do you think, if you can kind of like just uh, summarize it, distinguishes your company, you know, Polonium in the market and your product, you know, if we're talking about the U.S. market. Here. Yeah, that's a great question. You know, 
I, I mean, if you look at our the, mar the market now, it's becoming more and more consolidated. So you have a lot of these mm -hmm. big pharma companies that have gone out and bought, mm -hmm. you know, fillers and toxins, and they and they brought it all together under these umbrellas. And I think that's good for the industry. But mm -hmm. whenever you do that, you lose the personal touch. Yeah. Um, you know, so all we do is dermal fillers. This is the only yeah. thing we do, and yeah. we make it here. We do the research here. Mm -hmm. This is what we know. You know, we know it better than anybody else in the world. Yeah. So, and that's what I wanted to be. I, I didn't, I want to be good at this. I don't want to be a jack of all trades, master of none. I just want to do what we're good at. And this yeah. is what we're good at. And we want to be the best at it. And I feel like if you can become the best at this, at one thing that you're doing, then that's mm -hmm. all, all you really need. You know, I don't need to go out and make a toxin and all that stuff. I, I mm -hmm. can just do what I'm doing and what I'm good at and stay in my lane in that sense. Mm -hmm. And by doing that, we're giving customers the best product. We're, mm -hmm. we're fulfilling our commitment to give them the quality that they deserve mm -hmm. and, and the service that they deserve. We're not mm -hmm. just diluting ourselves into this massive organization mm -hmm. with a confusing pricing structure, mm -hmm. you know, and like dumping on them and forcing mm -hmm. them to buy certain products. Yeah. They're coming to us because they want to buy our stuff because it's good. You know that's what I mean? That's so awesome. And I, so and that's, I think what that's I, great. Thank you. Yeah, and I and I and I mean that gives me so much uh, pride in the company mm -hmm. because I know that people are buying our stuff because it's good. Yeah. You know, I'm not forcing them to like. You got to buy if you're going to buy our toxin. You got to buy some of this. Or I'm not <laughs> yeah. going to sell you the. Or I'm not going to sell you any breast implants. And I'm not going to give you this. And you won't get this price. You know. So I'm not. I don't want to bully people into yeah. into buying our stuff, right? So. Yeah, and I think that's great because you know, and what you said there like really stuck out to me because even I speak to med spa owners around the country. You know, specialization. And it's like if you're known for something, you know, um, if you're known for something and you do it really well people are going to automatically go to you because you specialize and you're known right. for something because you could be in every which right. way. But then when people think about your company, you know, they're, they're not going to have anything that distinguishes you from everyone else because they're like, Oh, exactly. okay. I guess I'm going to go there and do this and do this and do that and do that. But there's yeah. something that they could pinpoint. 100%. 100%. It's like, <laughs> it's like, do you want to be GM or do you want to be Ferrari? You know, I'm, I'm big into cars. Like I want to be Ferrari. I don't want to be General Motors and sell cube vans. <laughs> I want to sell race cars, you know? So, exactly, guys. You heard it here first. Millennium <laughs> is the equivalent to Ferrari in, in this world, we do. I in mean, the Villa world. Yes. I mean, Ferrari sells six cars or seven mm -hmm. cars or whatever, but they, man, they're nice. Yeah. You know, and, you know, we that's what we do. We have six fillers mm -hmm. and they're good. <laughs> that's so. so awesome. I love it. And then my last question for you is, <laughs> You know, what's your biggest piece of advice for, you know, because I, I work with a lot of women, but for women who are coming into the industry who want to start, you know, a med spa, what what would you be their advice yeah. for them as far as like, you know, maybe like business structure or, or looking into companies? What would you say? You know, wow, that's a great question. I, you know, my first uh, my first role model as an entrepreneur was my mother. Yeah. Um, so and, and you don't see it as much as you, you know, I think more women need to feel comfortable with becoming entrepreneurs because there's like a stigma almost against it. And we, when we look at entrepreneurs, we, we, we think about men, you know, so I don't think there's enough female role models. So like, I, I think about, you know, Elon Musk or uh, like Bill Gates or these guys, like, you know, there, there's a lot of men. Mm -hmm. um, so if you're a little boy growing up, uh, you know, you see these guys, you're like, okay, yeah, there, there's a role model for me. But you know, as a female, there's not, there's not that many, 
Um, but I think if you look at in your community, you start to see more and more, you mm -hmm. know, like at the grassroots level. So like my mom and other business owners, and I think we need, we need to start looking up to more entrepreneurs like that mm -hmm. and not just the big billionaire guys, because it starts at the grassroots level for everybody, even those guys. Yeah. Um, so like for me, it was my mother who started in one room in this, in a building and just kind of built her business and, you know, shocked me and my dad because she did so well. Um, and that was, you know, and became really just like um, a huge motivation for me. Yeah. Um, so I think we need more women to take that leap and, and make themselves into role models and inspire the, you know, the next generation. Cause even for me, like, I feel like um, when I tell this story about myself, it's not because I'm trying to like brag about, wow, I'm so great. It's because for me, it was so important to hear from entrepreneurs and, and business leaders mm -hmm. to motivate myself and also give me a path okay. of which way to go. So that's why I, I hope that there's more people that can kind of step up and, and, and mentor, um, you know, females, because women have a completely different perspective on, on business than men do. Um, I think sometimes women can be far more altruistic and compassionate. And, and you know, I don't want to say things that is going to make people think that I, um, I think there's differences between sexes, but mm -hmm. sometimes I think that there is a little bit um, <laughs> like my mom, my mom really built her business on compassion, and mm -hmm. kindness, and um, you know, things that traditionally might be considered more female uh, qualities. Mm -hmm. um, but it was a huge inspiration to me and it still helps me a lot in the way that I, um, approach my business and run my business so wow that's so great ariel thank you so oh, much for oh, your time. it was it's such a, you're the best interviewer uh, that has i've ever been with so i really appreciate you oh time. my god thank you i really enjoyed it this was like talking to a friend over coffee so um I yes. appreciate telling you when i'm in canada i'm gonna be like there ariel you ferrari yeah. your, hey, your kids anytime. your your, your spouse as, your friends as, go <laughs> As soon as this, <laughs> as soon as this, this lockdown is over, yeah. you're welcome to come and, uh, and visit. I'd love to have you here for a tour of our place and show you around. Yeah, we'd love that. That's so excellent. Yeah. So last thing, tell our providers in the USA where they can go to get in touch with one of your reps. What's the website? Yeah, so if you, uh, if you go on revenususa.com, uh, you can, if you're, if you're looking to get a treatment done, it will connect you to uh, a clinic in your area. And you can also, if you're looking to purchase, you can send an email through that site and it'll get to us and we'll refer a, uh, a rep to you. So, and we'll, and we'll try to sell you our stuff. So <laughs> ladies, you heard it here first. They're going to try to sell you their stuff. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much we're, again we're for gonna, your time. Huh? Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. It was a real pleasure. No, it was a real pleasure. I really appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> you too. Like what you heard? Please leave us a review. I appreciate you listening and your support. Follow us on Instagram at Plan Life Happens and comment on this episode's post. Also, I appreciate your feedback and ideas. Improving is the name of the game. I'm Leslie Tracy, your host. Thanks for listening.